Hello and welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with me, Chris Moss and Jake Peake. Thank you for stopping by and listening to the podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a new episode from us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside podcast on Facebook and we're at ATO podcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, we are beyond excited for the upcoming British Grand Prix at Silverstone, which we will discuss in the next episode but for this one we welcome yet another special guest to this podcast senior creative director of the formula one game franchise lee maver lee welcome to around the outside a great pleasure to have you with us um how you been keeping how's it all going at codemasters exciting times isn't it it's uh, you know we're in the launch window so uh, the energy's high and, and everybody's really excited to see uh see how the game goes on friday when it releases and obviously we've been having some great feedback from the the early launch on Tuesday for those who bought the deluxe. Uh, obviously, lots to talk about the new game, which, as you say, gets released uh, Friday. Um, many new features and tweaks uh, that we've never seen before in an F1 game. Obviously, we've got the new story mode um, and, you know, also co-op career mode, which, you know, we haven't had for a long time, but also we've got new features that go with that as well. Yeah, very much so. So obviously, the, the, the big headline that we've been talking about quite a lot is, is Breaking Point, the, the story mode that we've added to the game this year. It was sort of, yeah, we dipped our toe in the water in 2019 with the intro that we did with Formula 2. Mm. And, and we were really pleased with the reception that had, the, the characterization that we got with the, 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 the drivers that we used. Uh, so we thought, you know, it was a good idea to actually expand on that and really go for it. So, so we, we expanded the team to, to get people who were skilled in the art of story writing by, mm. by getting two external writers to, to collaborate with us. Um, and then we worked with a team who did all of the visuals for the, the cutscenes that you see in that, that mode. Um, and I think I think we've really done it justice. And I think along the way, as you know, we were working on that, you know, Drive to Survive came along and became very successful. So what we did is, is very much echoed the sort of direction that Formula One's going as a, as a sport that's now becoming so much more mainstream. Uh, you know, as we've often said that, you know, Formula One fans sometimes feel it's a dirty little secret that they, they love <laughs> Formula One. But but it's it's not. It's a massively global sport that everybody can enjoy. And Drive to Survive's got people who you really didn't think were Formula One fans mm. chatting away about Formula One. I think the, the thing that always jumped out to me was I, I used to commute to work on the train and mm. seeing people stood watching Drive to Survive on their phones, laughing <laughs> at it and enjoying what they were watching. I thought that's that's incredible. So, yeah, I think we timed that perfectly. Uh, it was partially a fluke that we, we did it at the same time as Drive to Survive. But it was yeah. also it was always planned for us that we were going to build a story element yeah i think you're you're right on that point it's always been seen as like yeah you know, when i i was in i think me and chris were both enjoying formula one when we were quite young as well and and in, in our sort of um demographic say it was kind of seen like that like, oh what f1 i don't get it it's so boring or whatever but yeah things like this and drive survive and hopefully these game modes will really try to capture the story and and what i guess fans have been craving a lot with the f1 games for a, a recent while was being kind of like the behind the scenes and getting a real flavor of that so it must be such um such an exciting time for you to actually give the fans what they want in that sense yeah i think the the nice thing for us is it's given us free reign to do something a little bit different so you know something i've spoken about many times is that as you're playing driver career or you're playing my team in your mind you're building up some of the behind the scenes thing that, that, that might be going on and you know we always allude to them in there but because they're fully live game modes with so many moving parts you can't put big cutscenes and you can't have grand cutscenes explaining what's going on because you don't know what's going to happen. Whereas in a story such as Breaking Point, we know what's going to happen next. So we can really take them to the you know, to the extremes as we've done with the, 
the cutscenes and, and building a story and characters and, and a direction in which it goes. So I think that's given us the opportunity to visualize what people often see in their in their in their minds while they're playing the other game modes. That's really been the the foundation of what we did with the story, which was giving us the opportunity to visualize what people think happens. And as we're touching on the, the breaking point, which is kind of like the, the big major new mode in, in this game, I guess more to draw people, the casual players in as well, uh, in, into sort of like F1 as, as a franchise and as a sport too. Tell us a little bit about the, the characters in the story with, without spoiling it, I guess, too much uh, and um, the, the teams that you can sign up to as part of that. Yeah, so character-wise, we... We obviously took inspiration from what we see in the sport. And, mm. and obviously now there are a, a lot of young upcoming drivers in the sport now, a lot of potential future world champions. And we wanted to take a, a journey with a young driver coming through from Formula 2 into Formula 1, seeing the struggles they face, the, the doubts they have, the way that other drivers might try and manipulate them. You mm. know, We see that from Devon Butler, who's obviously <laughs> the, the, the antagonist again, who's trying to play everybody off each other and manipulate, even though he might not look like he's, uh, he's being <laughs> nasty at times. Uh, and then obviously we've got Kasper Ackerman, who is a more mature driver. He's potentially coming to the end of his career. He's starting to question his skill. He's starting to question how he's perceived in the team. And, and he's starting to question his value to the team because he's concerned that, you know, is, is the younger driver being paid more? Is he getting... Mm components delivered earlier he's is he getting the favor of the the team liaison brian doyle you know so we we've built a, a really nice world around it and, and obviously even around that you get phone calls from aiden's mom you know checking up on him as you would you know it's like how's he getting on what's he doing across the other side of the world and mm. um, so that's that's really exciting and and obviously because it's a, a linear story where we've we've created cutscenes that go through it there's a number of teams that we allow the player to pick and we've obviously had to create all of the assets that go with those teams mm. so you get to pick one of five teams at the start and that's obviously uh, the teams that sort of sit from the middle part of the grid down so we wanted to give the player you know that, a chance to engage with you know williams Haas, uh, aston martin or in the game as it is you start out with them as racing point and mm. alpha tauri you know it's it's a great way to to get the player engaged with some of those teams and it's also sort of when you guys started Codemasters with the Xbox generation of the 360s and that, you had a lot of uh, paddock sort of um, feel in the game. You know, you could walk around the paddock, you could talk, interview, a lot of that. And I've noticed, especially in the last couple of games, you're sort of bringing that back to back to the career mode, and it's it's good to see. Like you're getting more involved with with how everything's going as well. Yeah, we've always felt that you know the on-track experience is obviously key. Formula One racing the cars how all that works but people want to see a lot of what goes on around the sport as well and and it's just a spectacle isn't it the, the formula one circus is a real spectacle and we've always wanted to recreate some of that for the paddock environments for the backroom environments, some of the locations so the things that you're doing in the game are framed in a really attractive and believable formula one environment I know this is this is probably quite a, a lot of work to go into this, but I know some people have talked about it being kind of like a free roam around the paddock kind of thing. Um, I don't know how difficult that is to achieve, and I'm sure all the things you've done anyway, the details in the tracks, um, I know takes a lot of time. Um, how difficult are those things to achieve, and could we see one day possibly... Uh, kind of like walking around paddock, say, um, going from your, you, you know, your uh, your little room that you're in in the team to then walk into the garage. Is that something that you're working on, or you can't say? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, anything's achievable. 
everything's achievable. It just depends on on focus for the year. What's what's seen as the most important areas? Which areas are maybe you know a little more let's say surplus to requirements? Mm. You know, it's it's there's there's obviously uh, parts of the team depending on what the focus is. So obviously this year there's been a huge focus on the story mode, and that part of the teams worked very hard on that. So you'll see that we've also worked on. Uh, this is a really big thing for us this year is coming out on both generations as well mm. so anything that requires artwork which obviously a full paddock realization would uh, but then of course something that people don't consider with the paddock is that um, it's different to every race you go to yeah. so that's a huge <laughs> amount of assets that would have to be created we'd have to have really strong reference material for the details of those locations mm. and, and that becomes you know a, a really vast vast amount of work I bet. <laughs> obviously talking about uh, focus obviously past couple of years have been very tough uh both for f1 people in general with obviously covid and that how have you guys found it obviously with f1 changing its calendar almost very much over the last minute um, obviously australia was cancelled you know practice the, the, the day of practice um how are you guys been finding it uh, obviously with jiggling around calendar um do you plan to add takeaway tracks uh, what, what sort of you, you plan for the for the year yeah, so so we we left it till as late as we could to lock down what was going to be in the game at launch. Uh, there's obviously only there's a point where we have to say right, this is what's going to be in the game, and, and we can't deviate from that. But we also planned as soon as we were able to get confirmation of what was happening, which tracks we were going to build and then add to the game post launch. So obviously we've committed to Imola, Portimao, and Jeddah, so they're going to be added to the game post launch. Uh, but then obviously with changes such as Turkey coming and going and now being back on the calendar, that's one that obviously we're not going to be able to build in this time frame and, and put into the title. But what we can do is we've got the real season start game mode in there now, which allows you to start a career playthrough at any point during the season that's happened in real life. So if you want to start a career playthrough after when Turkey would have happened in real life, we can mm. actually insert the results that would have occurred in the real race at Turkey into your season. So they can still be part of the series and part of the season scoring uh, without the circuit, unfortunately. That's amazing uh, interactive because that, you know, people all playing these games, whether it's football or Formula One, want to try and replicate, of course, what it's like in, in real life. Just give us an idea, like, you know, if people are screaming out, where's the Bahrain Oval? I want to race it. I want to try and, you know, emulate what's going on this weekend. How long, realistically, does it take to build a track uh, to the standard you want it to be? And it should be for the game. Yeah. So the, I think what people don't see is the, the, the work that isn't very clear um from, from an end user perspective so we've often said that building the track itself you could probably put down a combination of you know a, a year's worth of, of work across a team of people wow. um, to build the actual circuit to the standard that, that we require um, but then there's obviously the training the ai which is a huge task so our ai have to have knowledge of every setup that the cars run every team every tire grip level so that's tire from 100 percent to zero uh, on its wear scale we have to have obviously each compound type each fuel load so they have to be able to drive those cars under every circumstance so that's a huge amount of data that we have to generate and then people often say well we see people mod tracks and add them onto the pc well pc is a very different beast to console so pc in general you can throw something at it and it will cope spec dependent obviously mm -hmm. um, console you have to consider that they have less memory they have less performance and obviously we cater for a broad range of consoles as well now so you need to be cautious of the level of detail so you could create the most beautiful track the most beautiful cars throw them in on a pc and they'll run on a console we'd need to then work on level of detail 
So, you know, how far into the distance we draw the highest quality assets, how high quality the car model is when it's literally 100 yards away from you and then how that changes. So there's a huge amount of balancing work and setup work that goes into it as well. It's not just a case of creating them and, and throwing them in. Mm. Uh, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into making sure that you still get the frame rate, you still get the performance and you still get the, that on-track experience that's consistent. Um, obviously, like we've seen quite a lot in the past sort of three, four years, esports blowing up all over the place uh, across multiple different games. Um, and obviously a lot more recently uh, with you guys and Formula One, obviously we've seen, you know, uh, Brendan Lee winning the first couple of esports championships. Obviously we've, we've interviewed uh, last season's champion, Jano Otmir. Um, obviously beforehand, before esports um, came about, there was a lot of sort of leagues and, and you've even implemented a, a league format uh, for the game as well. Um, how, how do Codemasters aim to sort of improve esports? Do, do you expect to have, because obviously you've got two different sort of leagues, um, do you expect to get more so more people can get involved uh, and compete? Yeah, so th there's a, there's multiple ways in which we're going to be approaching this over, over the coming years. So obviously things that we do with the game, that we have ideas of how we want to make it something that more people can get involved with. Because uh, at the moment, it is obviously a very high level of, of competition in there. But we want other people to be able to compete at whatever level they play at. So that's something that we've got long-term goals. Those are the sorts mm -hmm. of things that we really want to consider for the future. Um, at the moment, we're obviously working very closely with Formula One on what we do with the eSports series this year. Again, bringing in different routes, uh, bringing in you know, the female drivers as well, bringing in the, the option mm -hmm. there for them to compete in a separate tournament, to come in through, through that route as well. Looking at ways to broaden... Um, the ways in which people can literally get their opportunity to compete against the existing field of drivers. Obviously, some of those guys will be signed by the teams already. They'll be joining it through that route. So again, it's really just broadening the opportunities and the routes in which people can get into the competitive space with, with Formula One and, and to find their way you know, up into the, the esports series that we run. We've talked about a few games and the progress to where we are now. Um, my first proper F1 game was, was playing the 2006 Championship Edition, which I know was different studios. And then um, we had the return on the Wii with F1 2009, which is comparably very different, obviously, to even to 2010. Um, and I understand you've been involved in the, since the 2010 game. Um, as an F1 fan and a, and a game fan as well, how rewarding has it, see, has it been to see that progress to where you are now um, and, you know, things like esports and just improving the quality of the game and all these different modes and features? It's, it's hard to, to really explain because it's kind of like it was the culmination of my biggest passions, which is games and Formula One or just motorsport in general, really. Um, so when I was working back at Swordfish and, and they got acquired by Codemasters in 2008, I wasn't working in design at the time and I, and I did everything I could to try and get close to the projects because I knew that I would be in sheer agony to be working in a studio and not working on one of the racing titles. Yeah. So it was like, it was the, it was the, the perfect combination of my favorite things in the world and then learning and growing in part of the Formula One team over the years uh, to, to be able to sort of reach the point where we are now with, you know, such a, an amazing title that we've improved year on year. The, the way that the sport's growing again at the moment, the way that it's growing certainly across the world as well has been mm. really rewarding for us because I think we've played a part in that as well mm. by growing the, the exposure of the sport through the game. Uh, so the, the whole process really has been 
I mean, it doesn't feel like it, but it's been 13 years really on Formula One, and yet it still seems just like a, you know five minutes. Yeah, a blur, I'm sure. And just to touch on you know your your personal journey, which we are doing slightly. What got you interested in in F1? Like all of us have a story to tell, I guess. And um, and then gaming and developing particularly. Do you know I I still struggle to find a point where Formula One sort of came onto my radar. I was always just obsessed with cars from the the first words I could say, as my mum will always tell people were related to the cars that my family owned i'd just tell random people my granddad <laughs> would drive i would know the name of every car on the road i would buy car magazines you know it was, it was my obsession i've still got all my toy cars in the loft i mean you can see i've got the lego behind i've got yeah, tons yeah. of cars in the loft still um, so it was always just a, an obsession with me was, was cars and motorsport and then for formula one i think it was a, a friend of mine was a big fan of formula one and we went along to one of the formula one test days at silverstone you could just go along free back in the day uh, and we'd go along and it was like, oh, my God, this is just the most amazing visceral sound, the, the energy in the cars. Mm. And we'd wait behind and we'd get autographed by the drivers, you know, waiting <laughs> on the side of the, the paddock. And I think from that moment on, I, I was absolutely hooked. And and obviously, being the age, age I am, I've been lucky enough to to watch the sport with some of the, the, the true greats in there as well with Senna and Pross competing and obviously mm. Nigel Mansell being relatively local to where I live with a, being a bit of a brummy. So, mm. you know, that's... Um, always been again something that's, that's interested me so that's that's where i really got my i think my love from formula one but also i mean I, i'm the same with most motorsport you know I, I still watch a huge amount of motorsport obviously this weekend coming up is the british grand prix um do you have plans to go along to it are you uh, or do you have plans <laughs> to go to a race this year so unfortunately <laughs> british grand prix uh, is a no for me at the moment mainly because we didn't know what was happening um we were, we're originally planning to do some things there maybe but obviously with circumstances mm. as they are mm. uh, we're obviously being very cautious around what we do obviously we don't want to cause any any issues that obviously covid still rife out there so we've been quite yes. cautious um I, again ultimately i was hoping to make it out to uh, zandvoort this year but again that's not happening for me so um there's still there's still a slim chance maybe texas um i, I do find it painful to not get to a race in <laughs> a year yeah. um, the last one i did was 2019 we did austria which to be honest was an amazing weekend uh, and i would love to go back to the austrian grand prix again it's such a wonderful venue and, and such a beautiful country as well so i'd love to get there the race was incredible as well it was a really really good race mm. so unfortunately this year i haven't got anything cemented um but then you know it's a very changeable situation at the moment isn't it so you mm. never know and when, when you're in like true game development mode how do you how much time do you get to like live other life or like you know watch races and and actually sit back and relax um it's pretty pretty sensible to be honest the level of, of obviously time that gets taken up by work i mean work's work isn't it you, you can't yeah, yeah. spend your entire day working obviously we transitioned to working from home uh, which made things a little mm. bit different uh, we took a while to adjust to the timings there mm. and you don't get that minute of you know sometimes I'd get into the studio incredibly early and be able to have a chat with somebody making a coffee while we eat breakfast and that's done and dusted but now that's done do it through a more formal sort of you know you need to book a time and, and do that but um, in terms of sort of balancing your time yeah I mean we, we make sure that people have that opportunity to still obviously savor their evenings and their weekends mm. which is important mm. but that's something that we made a conscious decision about a few years ago to, to make life more comfortable for a team who essentially do an annual project. Mm. I mean, an annual release is, is incredibly challenging and, and, and a pressured thing for any team to do. So that's why back in 2019, we had a split for the team. So we actually took on uh, a larger number of people so we could split the team 
So people are currently working on the next title while people are currently working on the current title. So that takes away that annual release from a, a large portion of the team. And, and we're always looking to you know, alleviate those, um, those pressures. So, so over the, you know, your time working on this series, has there been any standout moments or f- favourite times for you that, you that you can remember or achievements that stand out to you? Yeah, there's quite a few, actually. I mean, we've had an amazing run over the last few years, but there's a few moments where I've probably got a bit choked up. I mean, 2010 was insane because it was the first Formula One game that came out across multiple platforms. Obviously, Sony had had the license before, so it was PlayStation exclusive. And it came out and we won a BAFTA. And that was mm. just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. Um, in that year, I got to attend a couple of races and get full access to the paddock and get to see inside garages and meet the drivers, you know, from within the, you know, within that group. And it was just insane. Um, that was the year we filmed with Lewis Hamilton at Spa when we had Lewis racing Jake Humphrey and his brother in the UK. Yeah, and yeah. that was the first time those guys had driven the game. And, and, you know, we were sat in the hospitality at McLaren. Lewis played it. Jensen came in to have a look. Gary Paffett was there. He wanted to come and play it. You know, it was such an exciting <laughs> buzz. It was like, wow, it's a, it's a new Formula One game. I'm in it. You know, they were really mm. excited by being in the game. So, so that was something incredible. Um, and there's been other things along those lines as well. But then so when we moved to the 15, 16 sort of generational switch, uh, 16 was a, a really special year as well. I think that's the one that set the, the journey in place that we're currently on. You know, that's where the direction of the game shifted slightly. Mm. 2015 was a bare bones title with a lot less functionality, a lot less feature wise. It was a strong Formula One game, but that's the following year where we brought the career in. That was the direction we were going to take. And, and I remember, I think it was Gamescom. I was sitting at Gamescom and I was doing interviews and we actually, we actually were there during the launch. Um, it launched on the Friday and we were at Gamescom. And I'd got people coming in every now and again, just going, you've got this and giving the review scores. And again, it was such an emotional time because it was a game that we were really proud of. Uh, and it was great to get that. So there's been many, many. And as I say, I mean, Austria last year was amazing. Um, you know, getting to meet the drivers, getting to meet you know, the, the team bosses is just, um, it's just amazing. So obviously big YouTubers, they've got uh, their faces uh, scanned that, you know, the ones that do content for you guys. Um, I think the question I want to ask you is, do you have your face in the game? This game? I, I used to. Um, I used to. So from the early days, there was a version of me in the game. I think I've been removed now. I've not been scanned in recent years. I, I was out and about, I think, on a press tour or something last time we did face scanning. So the version of me that would be in if it was in now would be a very dated technology scan um, mm. and also a much different version looking of, of me as well. <laughs> but um, it, it's an area that we can start to look pushing more in the future, though, as well, because we used to go around and scan people's faces with a, a 3D scanner and get a load of photogrammetry. But EA have obviously got an insane suite for capturing characters, mm. because when you look at the FIFA characters, Madden, you know, they've got very, very character-driven games where they're front and centre. So they've got some wonderful tech to help us be able to access, you know, to get to get those sort of scans to much higher quality, much easier. So, yeah, so hopefully we'll be able to expand on that. I mean, obviously you mentioned the eSports champion, Yano Otmir. Yano, Yano was, um, his head puts uh, is, is in the game this year as well. Mm. Yeah. You t- touched there on the e- on the EA move. Obviously, a big big moment, I guess, for Codemasters and 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 joining forces with them guys. Um, how how is that direction going to look for the for the next few years with them? 
so we're carrying on with the the route that we were taking everything that we're doing at the moment is is what we had planned for the series what we're getting is incredible support so if there's things that they can do to help if there's things that the departments within ea can do to help to make us you know achieve our goals easier bigger better stronger you know it's it's a really really nice uh, support network we've got at the moment they've got so many interesting tools and systems that you know we've now got access to that can help us to realize that vision that you know we we essentially sold them on during the process when they were looking at, at codemasters you know we said this is what we want to do with formula one not just this is what we are doing but this is what we could do with extra support with extra resource you know different things like that so yeah it's, it's been a very exciting time already and before we let you go of course we're all keen f1 fans ourselves. just a uh, um, thoughts on this season how do, how do you think it's going to pan out do you think lewis is losing his grip on on the championship or do you think it's still all to play for with max do you know to be honest <laughs> I, i'm a lewis fan I, I have been since since he joined the sport in fact i remember seeing lewis in formula two at Silverstone, I was there in his final year in F2, and it was uh, or GP2 as it was back then. And and I was like, wow, that's just amazing. You know, the guy's just an absolutely amazing talent, and, and I still think he's the the greatest. I'm going to say he's the greatest of all time. I know I'll get hated. <laughs> Whoa, he's the ghost. Awesome. <laughs> he is. I'll get I'll get so much grief. Um, but but Max is is literally there with him, isn't he? And and I think this year, whether Mercedes are, are, are focusing on next year's car more, whether they're going to be able to find that little bit extra. It feels to me like the balance is tipped. It really does feel like at the moment mm. that the the only sort of in previous years the only sort of weak point that they the, the only chink in the armor of the Red Bull seem to be in a straight line, mm. and they've eradicated that. So I think um, I think there'll be some tracks where one team's stronger than the other because they are so close. And and but it's the drivers that are making the difference, and those two are the absolute pinnacle, aren't they? So yeah. I kind of you kind of feel it like I think it could be Max's year. Mm. No, interesting thoughts. Uh, Lee Mather from Comas, of course, working on the new Formula One game. Um, thank you so much for joining us on The Round the Outside. It's been a pleasure to chat to you. Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure being here. Well, what a pleasure it was to talk to Senior Creative Director at Co-Masters and, and of course now EA, uh, Lee Mather, uh, about the Formula 1 game franchise. Such an interesting insight into the work that's gone into the new uh, Formula 1 game this year and uh, all his thoughts on the previous editions as well. So really great to talk to him and personally find out a little bit how he got into Formula 1 and uh, developing in games as well. So really, really interesting chat, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah, it was great to speak to him, get to pick his mind and obviously to learn a little bit about what's to, to come in this year's game. Uh, very excited to uh, play it and I'm sure you are as well, Jake. Yeah, I can't wait to get my, my hands on a copy. Uh, I've bought every one um, of being a, a very loyal F1 fan and it's the closest we can get to being a driver ourselves. So uh, yes, I'll, I will be doing the same. Uh, that's it for this episode of Round the Outside. We'll, of course, be back in the next episode talking all things the British Grand Prix and this exciting new sprint race format. Uh, it's been me, Jake Peach and Chris Moss. We'll see you next time here on Around the Outside. Take care.